Andrew McGahan here for Severe MMA. The pride of Limerick, the young man named Sean Sheehan. The Severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot, and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Episode 83 of the Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Andrew McGahan joined, as always, ladies and gentlemen, Limerick's favourite son himself, Sean Sheehan. Sean, how are you this fine Monday afternoon? Good, no, not too bad, can't complain. Actually, remember when we went off line last week, just before we went, I said I was going to cook some lasagna. How was it? Do you know what happened? Went Food downstairs. Poisoning. No, no, went downstairs. It was in the freezer, took it out the freezer, looked at the front of it and said, not for freezing, ha- um, like have to eat fresh or something. So my lasagna had to be thrown to fucking bin. Oh my God. I was going to eat it, it anyway. downhill from then or has things picked up? <laughs> they had to pick up, how can it get worse than that? <laughs> Uh, what did you do to substitute the, the lasagna um, hole? I can't remember. What did I do? Just I can't remember. I don't know. I probably got chips or something. You know what I mean? No. That's, uh, that's not a bad substitute, Sean. Yeah, it was all right. It's, you know, but I, was, I was looking forward to that lasagna, as you know. As everyone listening to this podcast knows. I was looking you, forward well, to you that see, lasagna. to be honest, that's what I think was the biggest draw in the numbers last week. Yeah, it was. The- Sean <laughs> Sheehan's outro talk. of episode 82 probably has gone down... In the history of Severe MMA podcast outros. Why do you think I started with lasagna again this week? The people want lasagna, dog. No, it's just, I, it, that's, that's an excellent tactic, Sean, to keep the listeners that tuned in last week, maybe on the, on the, on the tail end of their friends saying, did you hear Sean Sheen talk about his lasagna <laughs> last week? And then they're like, God, he's keeping us happy here. He's brought the people what they want. Exactly. Do you know what I hadn't said though? What? I, I actually had a few supplements to keep me going, you know, to, to, to supplement my intake instead, instead of lasagna. Did you? Well, yeah. to be honest, Sean, I think that's a really shit segue. I was going to talk <laughs> about mental fortitude, endurance, every single thing that the Dublin GAA team showed against Kerry this past weekend. And having the referee on their side as well, yeah. Maybe that as well. But our good friends and sponsors of the podcast, ORS Nutrition, they supply Dublin GAA with all of their supplements. Yeah, Jesus, they're flying fit and fairness to them now. So, wait a minute. Dundalk FC, unfortunately having to settle for the Europa League. Mm-hmm. Dublin GAA playing like men possessed, that, fe- that look like they can just keep going that little bit longer. The Severe Med Podcast. Thriving. Podcast in Europe, yeah. There you go. If you're with ORS Nutrition, you turn to gold, ladies and gentlemen. So if exactly. you're listening to this podcast, you think, my God, I need to get me in on some of that endurance, some of that good shit, ORSNutrition.com for all your supplementation needs. If you are a, a sports player, if you're a GEA player, a rugby player, a soccer player, they have, vir- I'm going to say, Sean, virtually every sport that counts. Okay, I'm just going to go out and say that there. They've got your absolute every supplement need. They'll break it down depending on the sport, what they think you need to go into your body to help you perform at an absolute peak level. If you're just in the gym and you're just working out and you want something maybe to, um, you know, Sean, after those cleans and jerks, mm. as we in the fitness industry say, you could be a little bit uh, you could be a little bit sore later on that night. You're thinking, how am I going to train tomorrow? Omni-joint. Or, Omni-joint. They've got recovery supplements. They have absolutely everything. If you're just... Sean, you know, people get on to us and say, but I don't do any sports, you know, but I'm only in the gym a little bit. ORS Nutrition have absolutely anything and everything that you need to help your fitness endeavours. 
But what I know that's good now, but you're paying for the gym and everything. It, you know, it gets expensive. Can we give anything? Can we give anything to the people so that it's a little bit cheaper for them? We can, surely, Sean. Once you put all your items in the cart, I say it every week. After you go past a certain amount of uh, total in your cart, they will recommend a free gift, or they'll say if you buy one more thing, you're eligible for a free gift, which I think is an excellent addition. Not they, enough, though. That's not enough. I know. I'm more. getting there. The people I'm, need more, I'm, Andrew. Oh, fine. They need more. My God, Sean, the kimura is tight. You're twisting my arm just enough. Severe MMA is what you put. In your dis- you know when you're checking out, Sean, you're ordering yeah. something online to say, enter discount code. It's usually when I start scouring the, uh, the Google internet for mm, Domino's discount codes. Yeah. Unfortunately, they never work. If you put in the code SEVEREMMA, all in capital letters, at checkout, you will get 25% off your first order. Can't get better than that. Can you hear that? 25, 25. that's a quarter, what? Sean. That's a quarter off. My God. ORSNutrition.com. Check them out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all of that good stuff. Please support them. As the man himself says, Sean, what do they do? I'm saving that for later. Don't be stealing my tagline. Oh, my God. Boom. Fine. Okay, we leave it to later. ORSNutrition.com. Check them out. Great friends of the podcast. We love their support. And uh, that's it. I was about, I actually stopped myself. Midway, Sean, I've got an incoming call on my phone from O two C three four two B hash four C B. Answer it. Hello. Did you hear that? Yeah, who's that? I hung up because it might have been three looking asking why I haven't paid my phone bill yet. <laughs> Because I haven't been answering, and because I, I don't get paid till tomorrow, so I had a bit just before we get on to the excellent fights of the weekend. I had a bit of a run-in with one of them over the phone last week, and it's like I'm just back from Vegas. I'm absolutely broke. I have no hassle using Wi-Fi for the next week. Do you know what I mean? That's a hundred percent. But stop ringing me every day to remind me that my phone is cut off. Like they've got, they're they're a great provider. I'm happy with three, but their collections team are some of the rudest people that you've... Like, they make you feel guilty for not being able to pay your phone bill. So then you're just like, right, I'm not answering this call because I don't want to be talked down to, like, a child for the next couple of minutes. I'm, like, I'm still on a... Credit. Is you, credit. I haven't topped up in about six months. Really? I just used I just use Wi-Fi for everything. If I'm ringing anyone, just use Wi-Fi. You get, like, um, 500 free texts a month on, uh, on Vodafone. I just use them if I want to text someone. Ring everyone on WhatsApp and on. Never use it. I've like twenty euro credit, and I've been using that just the way all the time. If I need to make a phone call or anything, Jesus, yeah, that's good. I'm mean, talk to me about this weekend. Are you as are you as thrilled as I am to discuss of the potential Damian Maya Stephen Wonderboy Thompson super fight? God, thanks for the eighty nine questions about Maya against against Wonderboy. By the way, yeah, I it, it was one of those it was one of those weekends, wasn't it? Where it answered a lot, plenty of questions, but it even made more questions for us to answer. You know, it was it was a, a great card, and I suppose we we get to the main event uh, Let's first off. Anyway, set the scene yeah. for the main event first of all. Okay, Damian Maya riding is it a five fight win streak going into that fight? I believe yeah. he's six a six fight win streak at the moment. Yeah. Carlos Condit coming off a fight in which many people thought he deserved to claim the welterweight strap in the bout with Robbie Lawler from earlier on in the year. And I've seen a lot of people bring this up afterwards, and I know hindsight is a perfect thing, Sean. 
But do you think Condit was just on his way to try and avenge the loss to Woodley and maybe over underestimated Maya as a potential banana skin on the way? No, no, I wouldn't. That never even crossed my mind. I don't think so. I think Condit... Look, anyone can get caught by Damian Maya. I think John Kavanagh put it very well after the fight. He said his team have been... Something to the effect of his team have been probably panning for 10 weeks or whatever for that exact closing of the distance, that exact takedown, that exact back take, that exact choke, and they still couldn't stop it in two minutes. You know, that's just Damian Maya. I don't think it's... No, Condit could look. He could have done different things. The way he got caught, and we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. How he actually did get caught in a second, but I don't think, I don't think it, it was anything like that. To be honest, I don't think Condit is is going to overlook my. I think he's one of the most intelligent fighters in the UFC, and he talked about what he said afterwards as well, which we'll get to later on. Is is you know is very intelligent about retiring and and stuff like that and protecting himself. But I think he was probably more likely well prepared for this fight. Um, more than likely knew what Maya was going to bring and had everything for it. But we spoke about it last week and we see people speak about it a lot with Condit. His takedown defense is is just not good and it never has been good. Now, he's very good off his back usually. He's, his jiu-jitsu is very, very good usually. But you're talking about coming up against someone with the best jiu-jitsu ever seen arguably in, in MMA you're talking about someone whose ability to close the distance has improved unbelievably over the last few years you're talking about someone who has very 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 good wrestling now so that's that's not easy for someone like Carlos Condit whose deficiency is exactly the best thing that the other guy brings in so you know it's tough one thing Sean yeah. before we get into the fight how does a guy that's dropped fights to Mark Munoz in the past change everything around in the way that he has? I think... I know what you're going to say. Yeah. I know exactly what you're going to say. For Go years, on. people criticised maybe Damien... Like, as you said, they knew that he was going to try close the distance in the way that he did. Damien Maya, for years, was unable to do that. He was a grappler thrown into mixed martial arts. And although... Maybe he didn't get to show it as much. I'm really looking forward to a fight where Damian Maya maybe has to exchange with someone on the feet a little bit. He looked really comfortable on his feet this past weekend. Just in being able to, whether he's moving, whether he's throwing feints, whether he's using that to be able to show that he's a competent striker who when he's coming in, he's not just looking for a takedown. And I think that adds a little bit of an illusion on top of it that'll in future now, make guys easier to take down for Maya because he's now he looks so comfortable at closing that distance. Yeah, I, I agree with that a little bit. I don't think it's the fact that... I agree with the fact he's he's more comfortable closing the distance, but I disagree with the fact that you know he's looking given different looks and stuff. Now, he's given different looks to with what kind of takedown maybe and how he's going to close the distance, but... You know, when we were supposed to have Chelsea on, and I, one of the questions I was thinking about asking him was how, you know, he's very kind of pig-headed in the way he fights and that he'll wrestle, you know, and no matter what happens, he's going to wrestle you. And there's different guys like that. A lot of guys try to be very well-rounded. We'll speak about it later with Anthony Pettis. But Damian Maya has changed from a guy who will box at you and you know, he's not a good boxer we all know that he, he's an okay boxer he's he's done it with a lot of people he's got in there and boxed him and he's been okay with some some of them but he knows he's an elite grappler and he knows to get it there to get it to the ground to where he's in his world that's what you need to do 
And I think that's what that's the biggest change in him. That's why he's changed from a guy, as you said, losing losing to Mark Munoz and guys like that. No, he never lost anyone really bad. He always lost good fighters. You know, Mark Munoz was a good fighter back in his day, but I think that's what has changed. Everything he does, as you said, closing the distance, his strikes, his jab, everything he does, the resting, is to get the fight to the ground, get it to his world. And when he's in his world, there's nobody better than him there. And even then, it's in the last couple of fights, with the exception of Gunnar Nelson, we've got three finishes. All rare naked jokes. Do you want to get to his little talk after the fight now? Just his ethos towards fighting? It's yeah, the most beautiful say? thing in the world. I think it was actually after one of his last fights. He said that he he never wants to hurt anybody. He wants to be able to use jiu-jitsu so the person can tap, so they can go home, and they can be able to train the next day or train the, the next week. Mm-hmm. What yeah, a man. It's, it's, it's a good way to do it. I suppose let's talk about the fight a little bit. For me... Yeah, you it give was... us 15 minutes for this fight, Sean, here. <laughs> we could watch the fight how many times in that space? This, you know, this fight, however, went down 1 minute 52 seconds. I think one move won this fight. One thing. <clears throat> if you watch the fight again, I watched it again this morning. And Carlos Gondi came out doing what you would expect him to do. You know, he was moving on his feet, light on his feet, trying to stay out of Maya's distance, trying to keep away from the, from the takedown, not get clinched up, hit him from the outside. And he did all of that very well. And one thing he did as well, which actually cost him, was changing stances. He, he kept changing stances. He came out as an orthodox fighter, went to, um, went to uh, Southpaw, then he threw a kick. No, he went back to Artox, then he threw a kick, went to Southpaw, and then he went back to Artox again. And when he, when he went back to Artox that time, he was very much in the mode of, okay, I'm not going to get hit and I'm not going to get stuck up the fence. And he kept moving to each side, whichever side, just it didn't really matter which side he was moving to. But then he was like, okay, I need to keep moving. I need to move something different. Moving side to side isn't enough. And what he did then, he moved. I, I, I think he, he moved from Southpaw to Arthrox or either Southpaw to Arthrox, but it doesn't matter. He changed stances, right? And the second, literally the second he changed stances, Maya went and attacked that front leg because that was the one second in the whole fight that he stopped moving. That was the one... You know, we talk about uh, Nick Diaz, or Nate Diaz's front leg being static against McGregor and he's, it's there for him to kick. The one second that Carlos Condit's front leg was static, Damien Maia attacked it and he took him down from it. And that won him the fight. If you watch again, watch the whole fight. He's never static apart from that one second. I and missed Maia, that completely, Sean. I Maia, just thought it was a nicely well-timed takedown. Yeah, it was, it was a nicely well-timed takedown, but he timed it. He timed, and it wasn't static for long. It was just static because he moved it. You know, if he had waited a half a second longer, it wouldn't have been static. It would have moved. But he caught it. It wasn't that it was static either. It was that he caught it in that place. He knew he he knew he was going to change stances. And you see, remember when Anderson Silva used to fight, uh, uh, like against Vitor Belfort and even against Maya, you see him for like for the first two or three minutes looking. He'd throw out a little bit and then he'd see what someone would do. And then, like two minutes later, he he counter off of that. He throw a kick or something, a similar sort of kick, but in a different way. That was like Meyer. He was he was looking, you know. He was taking all all this data into his head. He was like, okay, he's changing stances. Oh, he changed stances again. He changed stances again. The next time he changed stances, that front leg is going to be there, and I'm going to attack it, and I'm going to take him down from it. And that's exactly what he did. And once you get to once he got to the ground, uh, you, you can run us through that, I suppose, because his jujitsu was was phenomenal. But Carlos Condit said he hit him with a big shot, put him on Queer Street, and you know he just it was just phenomenal from there and choked him out. I am um, to be honest, from watching it back, I watched it back this morning as well. I thought Maya was waiting 
I did. I didn't notice the stance change, but I thought he was just waiting until he knew he'd be. It was close enough to get the takedown up against the fence, if needs be. You know, and maybe that just coincided with the time that he switched stances because I do. He did just kind of stop for a second. You're completely right in that, as if he was about to start selecting his shot. You know, Carlos Condit has always been a guy who's been able to hit and move, but at that moment in time, when he got taken down, maybe it looked like he was coming forward with a right hand or something that he was just ready to try and plant one on Maya flat. As soon as he got him down, Damian Maya, if he gets that leg, no matter what, single leg, it's going to happen. Yeah. You know, and he will get you down eventually. And we see it now. Damian Maya's pressure passing is a real thing of beauty, Sean. He dropped onto his hip. He, he will initiate a half-guard position because I, I'm convinced now the mount is dead in mixed martial arts. I'm going to go out and say that. Derek Lewis is single-handedly keeping it alive. <laughs> That's the kind of thing. Yeah, Perf- a, just a perfect example, which I'll touch on later on. Joe Lozon mounted Jim Miller in the second and yeah. it was gone within a second, gone, like, second, gone yeah. within a minute, back to half-guard, and then Miller got his full guard back. The mount is a horrible position now that people are learning jiu-jitsu. However, something like... What Damian Maya did at the weekend, he took sort of a reverse half guard. The half guard that in competition jiu-jitsu or maybe just jiu-jitsu gyms all around the world, you'll see guys go for a back step pass. So he tried to get his left leg out of the half guard. But instead, in an MMA point of view, he's able to put all of this weight on Condit. He was able to land a couple of strikes on the ground just to annoy him a little bit. It made Condit recover his guard. I know the shot. Are you talking about the elbow that Condit hit him from his back? No, I'm talking about the shot Maya hit Condit with. Condit oh, said no, it afterwards. On the, yeah. on the game plan, or on the commentary, I don't know if it was Brian Stan, Brian Stan spoke that Ricky Lundell, Carlos Condit's grappling coach, oh, yeah. mentioned Stan. that the game plan was actually going to be, it's going to go to the ground, we need to butcher him with elbows off our back. And Condit, I think it was Condit's timing that actually lost him this fight because he missed the elbow completely and that was when Maya was able to drop his shoulder down and really, really put pressure you know, it sort of, he moved the elbow, that was kind of it. He's starting to recover with a good frame, but Maya had already closed the initial distance on the ground. And that is the biggest part for me in terms of like passing guard and progressing in jiu-jitsu. Once you get into that position, a guy will have a much stronger frame, a much more bigger frame. But when Condit elbowed across looking to like slice him open big time, he left all that space exposed. And even though he was able to get a frame back in and delay the inevitable for a couple of seconds, as soon as that elbow had gone, gone across, Sean, that was it. Maya was done, or um, Condit was done. Maya then starts, um, you see, I, I had all of this written out for you, and I've lost the Google Drive that I had it written out on. So I'm, I'm going off memory here. But I think Maya posted his knee down to the mat, and he was kind of fainting as if he was going to pass to the mount. And I think he deliberately left himself a little bit open to allow Condit to turtle. That's, that, that is a back take drilled to perfection from years and years and years of jiu-jitsu by Damian Maya. It was the slickest... Actually, it wasn't even the slickest back take on the card. And we're going to talk about that later on in Anthony Pettis' fight. But once Maya has the back... Tell me, am I right with that, Sean? The transition was beautiful. He gave Condit the space to let him think he was coming up into Turtle, and that's when the second hook came in. Yeah, look, you'd obviously know better than me about that, but Maya looked just his usual imperious self. He looked unbelievable on the ground, but Condit. Also, oh, sorry, uh, watch I, forgot, it, go on. I forgot the biggest thing the finish, yeah. okay? I was a little bit quite like, I don't want to say that Carlos Condit quit or he, he was looking for a way out, but that was on the chin at the start. That was yeah. not under his chin. Carlos, 
I, I'm not saying that he allowed it to get under his chin, but at the start he really was defending it and it was going on his mouth. Now, having tapped to a submission there before, I know anything below the nose is a rare naked choke. And you're, they're going to squeeze like fuck. So maybe it's pressure on your mouth, pressure on your jaw, and you're having to lift your head up to alleviate it, and the arm slips under the under the throat straight away. But to me, it seemed like, including Carlos Khan, that maybe in the post-fight, lying on the floor for a few minutes, up again. I don't know if you saw the full... A clip of the two guys while they were waiting for the announcement. Maya was in tears. Condit was up against the cage, seemingly inconsolable. Like this fight has bigger. This fight has a bigger meaning, I think. And you saw that post fight. The thing for me about the finish was looking at it. I thought Condit would be able to defend better because we know how good we've seen him on the ground loads of times. We know how good his jujitsu is, and I know Maya is a different, a different level. And I predicted that Maya would submit him and all, but I thought he would be able to survive a little bit longer. You know, a little bit maybe like Matt Brown did or like Gunnar Nelson did against uh, against Maya. But I, I was a little bit thinking the same way as you. Oh, well, you know, I was kind of what happened. But then when he said he was rocked by that shot from half guard, it it kind of explained it. You know, and. I suppose moving forward, that's maybe not a good thing for Carlos Condit. And I will speak about his retirement stuff in a second, but that's that's a little bit worrying when you get hit like, with a shot like that. It didn't seem that big of a shot, though. Obviously, if someone hit me with it, I'd be stunned dead in the ground. But like for a guy like Carlos Condit, who's an absolute iron chin, you know, took all the best shots from Robbie Lawler and kept coming. It, it's a bit worrying for for him to go that way. But have you know, you have to hand it to Damian Maya. He's just he's so good and there's no there's no stopping him and look when you remember that fight the, the fight with Gunnar Nelson you may be looking at it like oh he's Gunnar Nelson's jiu-jitsu as good as as we thought it was and looking at how he's just destroyed other guys it makes Gunnar Nelson's jiu-jitsu look so good that that he survived against him you know because Maya's is so good and it, I think he's Maya's just a phenomenal fighter when he can get it, you know, to where he wants to get it. And it's very, very hard to stop him. It's going to be very hard for anyone in the world to stop him. Including Wonderboy Thompson? Mm, maybe. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that in a while. But what do you think is next? We'll, we'll get to uh, for Maya first. What do you think is next for him? You're going to hate me, Sean. Give the man his title shot. I think there's a lot of recency bias in this uh, it's funny like every when Wonderboy fought the last time oh give Wonderboy the title shot it, it happens all the time it happens with everyone like even when even Cerrone oh I don't see him fighting for a title when he won the last time it's it's weird it's, it's just a thing that happens with that now this is a little bit different obviously because I think they're they're pretty much neck and neck at this stage um, Maya's won his last six uh, Wonderboy's won his last seven uh, I don't know. I, I, you know what I mean? I'm, Maya I'm, has beaten better people in those six uh, than Wonderboy has beaten in that seven. Wonderboy has beaten whoever's been Rory McDonald yes, and Johnny Hendricks. You know, the former champion and the guy that's probably the second best uh, welterweight in the world, maybe. They've both beaten good guys. Like, they have both beaten good guys. This, this was by far the best way, now, I think, of, um, of, of Maya's. Maybe not his career, but of of his runs so far, you know, he beat Gunnar Nelson. Gunnar Nelson, we know how good Gunnar Nelson is, but Gunnar Nelson was still like ranked like number fourteen or something. He beat Matt Brown. Matt Brown's a good fighter as well, but I thought this is the, the biggest win of Maya's career. Yeah, Chael Sonnen's is. a bigger name, that's fair enough. But in yeah. terms of a dangerous level opponent in such an easy manner that he dispatched him, yeah, yeah, I but I. John Fitch as well back in the day was a very good fighter he beat John Fitch didn't he 
Well, maybe that was a little bit after John Fitch was going to yeah, have a Yeah, in more than likely is that Carlos Condit's a top fighter. Like, uh, take nothing away from from him. Like I, I wouldn't be that mad. Even though I'm a big Wonderboy fan, and all, we all know that, but I wouldn't be too mad if he got the if he got it over Wonderboy. I think they're both great. I think Wonderboy does deserve a little bit more, just by the how good he's gotten in you know in such a short period of time and how he dispatched. Johnny Hendricks and how he dispatched uh, Rory McDonald's. Well, I think those two wins were absolute standout wins. Um, Maya against Maya against Matt Brown wasn't that great of a display, if I'm just put it that way. It was a good display, and he you know he finished him, but he should have been finishing a guy like Matt Brown a lot earlier than that. I think, and I don't think you can say that about Wonder by any of his recent fights, which is a little bit harsh. But, but when we're getting to the very top, who should be fighting for the world title? I think it's it's, it's weird. Details but, like that that well, define it. Like. Yeah, but it just doesn't make any difference anyway because Tyron Woodley won't fight anyone for the next uh, eighteen months anyway. And he'll yeah. fight Nick Diaz, like so it makes makes absolutely no difference. But I suppose for Carlos Condit, he talked afterwards about retiring. Um, Let that man go to Bellator. Oh, finish God. the end of his career and get paid. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, That's, I wouldn't mind that. He He's a name in the UFC. He's always going to have to be matched against the best guys. And he said it himself, he doesn't know if he feels like he should be in there with them anymore. Do you know what I mean? So this is a this is a health-conscious decision here, right? This is... I would love to see the UFC just be like, yeah, no hassle. Grant him his release. Do you know what I mean? We're not... Uh, like, Rory McDonald put them on blast the other day at that press conference, Sean. He said he got paid $59,000 for the title fight against Robbie Lawler by the UFC. After all of that, the fight that happened, he got $59,000. Carlos Condit has the potential maybe to fight for another two more years to get paid, to set himself up well for just after life after fighting. But instead, maybe he's going to have to stay in the UFC fighting guys that are going to run through him or are going to hurt him or cause him damage. Do you know what I, do you know what I want to see more, Andrew? Tune-up fights. Oh, you're a big... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, Sean. Tune-up fights. Why was Carlos Condon fighting Damian Maya in his last fight? Why wasn't Carlos Condon fighting even Matt Brown or someone like that? Or, or Tarek Safadine? I know both those guys are good. But I, why, why is he straight in there against Damian Maya? Like, I want to see it. Okay, it's a great fight. Great match making and all. But for his health and for his longevity, as you said, why isn't he given an, an easier fight? He's after coming off of an absolute war a few months ago. You want to you want to build him back up, and maybe he's doing it because he he was talking about retirement, and he said, "Okay, I I need a big fight that's going to get me straight back into uh, into title contention," and, and that's fair enough. But you have, I think you have to think about it in a longer term as well. Look at Rory McDonald's; well, he didn't look the same against Wonderboy when he came back off of that off of that um, off of that fight against uh, against Robbie Lawler. Uh, Robbie Lawler, yeah, that war. I think, like Gustafsson this weekend, and we'll get to that later on, but I think that's good matchmaking now. They're giving him a tune-up fight. They give... Well, Habib wasn't scheduled to have a tune-up fight, but he got a tune-up fight, you know, in the end. Tony Ferguson, coming off of his injury, got a tune-up fight as well. It didn't... You know, it wasn't supposed to be, and it didn't work out that way, in fact. But, you know, I like those sort of things. And I think someone like Carlos Condit, if he's coming back again, that's what I'd like. I'd like to see him fight someone, maybe down the line a little bit, even, even outside the top 15... Just to get him back into the winning winning column, get him back into into a bit of form. I, and if I he loses, yeah. then you've delayed what you we're going to find out over the next two years. And yeah. someone's just got a massive rub of the green for beating someone like Carlos Condit. Exactly. So I exactly. agree. Speaking of someone, Sean, who could have had his career finished 
at the weekend. I know I'm being very dramatic. I lost that segue completely. Uh, but, not too far off. But what? Anthony Pettis, he did a Misha Tate, Sean, in my opinion. Yeah, well. He pulled that one from, like, okay, let's start in the first round, okay? Anthony Pettis at 145 was a delight in the first round. I thought, this looks good. He was having a lot of trouble at the start of the round. Um, the Bronx himself, not Cowboy, was initiating <laughs> great grappling exchanges, putting him up against the cage, was using teeps quite a lot to keep a distance. And yeah. he was also timing Pettis' strikes to perfection. And that was allowed, like, he was initiating a lot of grappling exchanges off Pettis' strikes. You know, he had Pettis' timing down nearly from the start. And it took one kick, one fucking kick to the midsection from Anthony Pettis and the dynamic of the first round entirely changed. I thought Oliveira wanted to crumble under that kick and then he hit him with two or three more, all landing to the exact same place and that's what gave Anthony a bit of a wind in the first round, I thought. I think he kind of... I don't want to say he punched himself out in that first round, but he was going hard for the finish. He was even willing to exchange on the ground, showed some good guard passing... Um, landing heavy strikes Anthony Pettis from a top open guard position was not being touched by them up kicks and was landing brutal shots really heavy ground and pound and using it to pass the guard very well his grappling to me though while exciting it just lacks a little bit of base and a little bit of structure there was a couple of times that he was able to the, the scrambles actually worked in his advantage and against him. So why, Who are you talking about now? Are you talking about the Bronx or Pettis? I'm, I'm actually talking about Pettis for this. Oh, there yeah. was times that when he was in an advanced position on the ground, but maybe lack of just chilling out and putting pressure on him got him tipped or got him uh, swept or initiated a scramble. Whereas even when he was in a bad position, that's what helped him the most. His back was taken maybe four or five times in that fight. And he got out of pretty much every single one of them by doing the same thing, by spinning in at the right time and bursting out. I thought Pettis looked very, very good, but the gas tank's an issue. He faded massively in the second. I don't know if I agree with that. I, I, I didn't see it at the time. I know a lot of people talked about it later on. I just think that's... Let's see, Pettis has a lot of problems, you see. Pettis was always... He was always an incomplete fighter, but he had this aura of greatness about him and Rafael Dos Anjos just took that away from him he beat it out of him for five rounds and Anthony Pettis has definitely hasn't been the same since now the problems that he had before have just been escalated because of that beating I think and because of maybe it's his confidence has gone or something but I, I said it last week and I said in my previews like, this this fight was absolutely made for him to look good and I think it did make him look good in the first round, even though even though um Dubronx tried to blueprint Pettis him at the very start here. And he did he did a better job than I thought he could do of it. He got him down a couple of times, he pushed him up against the fence. Pettis' takedown offense is usually pretty good. We saw against Eddie Alvarez who spent it was most of the pretty time. Good in the first round. Yeah, it wasn't bad, but then he you know, he kinda of kept getting taken down. Then he got taken down a couple of times. But I think Pettis you you kinda of criticize his ground game there. I think he's a very good ground game and not Maybe not in a traditional sense, but in a sense of... In an of, MMA sense. Yeah, in a sense he can get out, as you said there, he can sweep. He can When he gets his back taken and he gets uh, the body triangle in him, he can get out of that maybe better than anyone in MMA. You know, usually when you get stuck in that, you're stuck in it. And But Anthony Bettis is good at getting out of it, especially against a high-level guy like, uh, like the Bronx. And obviously he's submitting him in the end. But to me, Anthony Pettis, he, he's... 
he's like a book with no chapters. He's just <laughs> that. That's what he's like to me. That's how he fights. <laughs> he fights. He he starts to fight right, and okay, he's striking. He's striking. He's up against the fence. He's taken down. He gets out. He gets up. He's striking. He's up against the fence. He gets. There's. It's all one swift, flowy move. There's no. Set yourself and kick. Okay, now I'm gonna gonna charge. I'm gonna hit again, and I'm gonna change again, and I'm gonna move. I'm gonna stay away. I'm gonna say I'm gonna take down, or I'm gonna go for a submission. It's a, nothing happens. Everything seems to happen. You know, this is just I'm gonna let it flow, and whatever happens happens. He doesn't make anything happen. You know, there's no different parts to his game. It's kind of all just seems to flow into one. And I think he'd be so much better if, okay, he starts the fight. <clears throat> Someone goes for the takedown. He pushes off. Okay, reset. Now I'm going to attack. And he attacks with, with counters or whatever when they come in. Or goes and attacks him, kicks the leg. Goes, pushes him against the fa- fence, gets a takedown. We know how good his grappling is. He can grapple. He can go for takedowns as well. He just doesn't have to to strike all the time. But the biggest... The biggest problem with his game is that he'll okay. Charles Oliveira wanted to put him up against against the fence. He go grand. I can play. I can play against the fence. I can stop this takedown, or I can submit him if he takes me down. But you don't want to do that, you know. You don't want to get put in that position. You want to you want to put him in positions. And Anthony Pettis just never does that. Now I know he's kind of he's always been a good counter striker and things like that. And maybe he doesn't want. Maybe he wants to fight in that way. But I think even if you are a counter striker, like draw someone in. Rather than them, rather than letting them draw you in, you know he, the the, the biggest thing about him, he, like if you're a Preds fan, it must be so frustrating to watch him, because he just cannot circle his away from the fence. He just can't do it. He stands there. He's so flat-footed. He just invites people to come in and put him up against the fence. He just invites them. He, he never moves. He never ever does it. If Charles Oliveira just kept doing it, I think he could could have probably beaten him. But as you said. He still has that ability, and I think he came a little bit better with it afterwards because Oliveira couldn't keep doing it. I don't think Oliveira has the ability to do that. I, you, you know, I, you said Oliveira was trying good teeps and stuff. He was, he was doing well, but he's just he's a perfectly made fighter for Anthony Pettis to to beat. Um, when he landed that kick, he's we've seen before Pettis is not, or uh, Oliveira is not great to the body. When he gets hit there, he gets hurt. And I think from that point on, he he was in uh, he was in a lot of bother. But I don't know. Pettis, Pettis got a, a couple of ten eights in the first round. It was close enough. I don't personally think it was a ten eight, and he got the finished in in the third. He, you know, he was probably winning the fight. But to me, he just didn't look good at all. I was, uh, I was looking for a bit of progression. I was looking for him to uh, get that lateral movement off the cage to Im- impress a little bit at at one to forty five, and he just didn't impress me at all. Now he's he still, as I said, he still has that magic. He's I think he's a very good ground game. He's good submissions. He can knock you out with one shot, but. He's just remember when CM Punk when he did his his big thing he said uh, Vince McMahon was a millionaire who should be a billionaire. I think Anthony Pettis is a good fighter who should be a great fighter, and he's just not he's not that at the moment. I feel a little bad now, Sean, for Anthony Pettis or any of his friends <laughs> or family that may be listening to this podcast. Oh, I'm sorry, but I, it's not. I wouldn't criticize someone someone else for doing things he does, but he's so good. It's just. No, he's like he's a great player, a great fighter, who just I don't know. He's not getting the best of himself. I think I think he could be so much better than he is. Oh, that's a little bit annoying because I thought he he give me a little bit of hope by the cardio issues. I just thought he wilted a little bit too much. The guillotine, absolute pulling because I thought he was maybe 
<clears throat> I didn't know that there was 10-8s given in the first round, yeah. but I was en route to thinking he was going to drop this. And it was a real do-or-die moment, I think, for Anthony Pettis when he had his back taken in the third round. Similar to what I was saying maybe about what... Um, it was kind of in reverse. So the same way Maya let up pressure to be able to take the back, Anthony Pettis give up space because he knew Oliveira would take his back and he knew he'd be able to burst out of it as soon as he went for the back take. Because his other back takes happened a little bit longer into it, Anthony Pettis, it just seemed like he was like, okay, this is my last round, Sean. It's, my back is up against the wall going into the third here. I need to win this round to win this fight or I've lost three or four in a row now and I've lost at the new division that I've gone down to because I haven't been able to win at the division that I was champion at. Oliviera goes for the back take and his, his grappling is phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. It was a joy to watch some of the exchanges on the ground. There was a lot of great grappling actually on the whole card this weekend. But at that one point when Pettis gave up his back and then there was a click. Do you know what I mean? Oliviera took the back, got both hooks in and you thought that was Pettis' do or die moment. And he reacted and he said, no, fuck this. I'm getting straight out of here turned into open guard, was able to get up, and then I think it was actually on one of the following takedown attempts that he was able to lock in the guillotine. He left his neck exposed. I have a lot of, I have a hard time understanding those guillotines because me personally, I find it very hard to be able to get a guillotine if you... So Anthony Pettis locked the right hand, the right arm underneath the, the neck. He threw the left leg over the back and Olivier was kind of in a butterfly guard position on Pettis' right leg. So he didn't want them to get that out. And Pettis had an overhook as well. So the grip was an overhook. And I find an overhook is much harder to finish a guillotine than having both hands as close as possible at the neck. And somehow, Anthony Pettis was still able to finish this. He was able to get his leg free. I would suspect that a large part of Anthony Pettis' guillotine is ensuring that he can connect the legs. Because then he's, like, the man has absolute power and force in his legs, Sean. He's able to maybe pinch his knees together and put all the energy in his legs going out through the bottom of his feet. Do you know, like, kind of clench it all up. So when you're already choking a guy and your knees are going into the side of their, their chest and all of that pressure is going on to your midsection, I think that's what makes his guillotine so special. Yeah, he's he's a great fighter, like, Anthony Pettis, he's so good. And hopefully this it's a new lease of life in, he, he needs. Maybe he talked about it afterwards as well. It's the weight cut as well. It was the first time he ever he ever cut down to, to 145. So maybe after this, and we have a couple of questions later on about who, um, uh, who should, whether he should say there and stuff. Maybe, maybe this is what he needs. Maybe from now on, we'll see those improvements coming. He's training with uh, Jackson, Jackson Winkler, John, as well for the last while. And I, I remember Brian Stan saying yesterday, or not saying this, but on uh, saying on the the commentary, he was talking about someone who who had moved there, and he said it's usually two or three camps. Uh, you see the you see the improvements coming. So maybe now we we'll see improvements coming. He I know he's not full camp there, but he's he's been in I think three maybe four or five weeks at a time out there. So hopefully we see we see improvements coming. And if anyone can do it, they can do it. I think Michael Winklejohn, his movement in these fighters. You know we see with John Jones, Holly Holm. I think it's always very good. So hopefully uh, hopefully we see it with him. But where would you? Where would you go next? I know Oliveira is going to be just go back into the bunch, but where would you go next for Anthony Vettis in, in 145? So you were just talking about tune-up fight, Sean. Yeah. And he kind of didn't get it with this. Do you know what I mean? This was a bit of a a breath, do you know what I mean, for him to take. But I'd love to see him fight Cub Swanson at 145. 
for some yeah. reason, Cub Swanson versus Anthony Pettis, to me right now, seems to be the fight to make. And it's not because I have something against Cub Swanson, do you know? <laughs> because I think he's, he'd lose that fight. But it's a good fight, maybe for... You're talking about improvements that he can make in a new training camp and work with new people. Someone like Cub Swanson, Dennis Seaver, a guy who's on the tail end of his career, is perfect for Anthony Pettis at 145. Don't throw him in against Max Holloway. Don't put him in against Jeremy Stevens. You know, don't put him in against Frankie Edgar, although Frankie Edgar and Anthony Pettis mm. would be an amazing fight no, at 145 pounds. But I still think Anthony Pettis, if we have any hope for him, I'm just I'm trying to think of an analogy the same way you had about him there. He's just he's think of a footballer who rose to prominence at an early age and faded out and never Michael just Owen. quite came back. Maybe Michael Owen. We'll fair Graham's gonna hate you for that, but we'll just go if for Graham it. Graham hates Michael Owen, so he won't. No. Alright, well then. Anthony Pettis was able to kinda get there at the start on the rawness, on the potential, on the ability. Yeah. Do you know? And now when it comes up against Maybe someone who's able to pick him apart or a good coach who was able to think, okay, this is what we actually should do, then that's going to be an issue for him. Three yeah. Mobile are ringing me again, Sean. Fuckers. It was actually uh, my car insurance that rang me the last time, just to confirm my new policy. I, I'm going to disagree with you here a little bit on, uh, on Anthony Pettis. I think that I think that was a fine shooting up fight. I think you know, he did, I know I criticised him a lot, but he did okay. He did win that first round well and he got the finish, so. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be too. Maybe I'd be okay. Maybe one more. But I was thinking, and a guy actually said who could get, who should get a, a tune-up fight. So maybe it's not good matchmaking. But how about Anthony Pettis against Hinnenborough? They're both fighting a featherweight now. Brilliant. But no hassle. Loser like leaves town. <laughs> I, it's probably bad for Hinnen, but I think that Frank Edgar fight actually makes sense as well. And you know what? I think Pettis would fight better. In that fight, I think he's one of those guys that will rise to an occasion. And Frank Edgar, as I said, Frank Edgar will take him, you know, he'll take him where he wants to take him. And that mightn't be a bad thing for Pettis because Pettis, you know, Pettis will stop at Edgar's takedown. He might get taken down, but he, he, he'll stop a lot of them and he'll, he'll hit Edgar when Edgar's coming in. Edgar, you know, he's a big size and, and reach advantage over Edgar as well, I think. And I think he'd hit Edgar a lot, you know, a lot more than Edgar might hit him. Now, Edgar might hit him a lot, but I think he might hit him a lot harder than Edgar can hit him. I, I like that fight. I think that's a fight that can rejuvenate Pettis. I think that's a fight that can bring him back to where he used to be, maybe even make him a little bit better. I, I like that fight. I honestly do. Uh, I think that, that could be a fight where Pettis could win. And I, I don't know. I... He, there's guys like that, you know. There's guys who, maybe even like a, guys like Rick Story, they they beat better fights than the fighters in their Lusta. You know, there's there's just certain guys like that. I I wouldn't mind seeing like that. Max Holloway, I think Max Holloway and Jose Aldo is, is the fight that makes sense next. Uh, next there, McGregor's probably going to fight Eddie Alvarez, but there's Lamas is fighting BJ Payne as well, which is a, it's just a complete farce. He's going to just destroy him. But yeah, I think there's there's plenty of good fights there. There's someone like Brian Ortega as well. I think that's a good fight for Pettis. Even Ortega's good. Yair Rodriguez as well. That'll be an unbelievable fight. But yeah, I think Pettis. Oh, you know if there's improvements can come. If he can keep uh, keep going up in the world, I think uh, I think uh, it could be good for him. He, actually, as well, Oliveira against Brian Ortega might be a good fight. Brian Ortega, T City triangles, good, uh, good, might be a good jiu-jitsu fight as well. You're just uh, doing the UFC's job here for them, Sean, are you? Yeah. Just saying about From fifty different free, matches. Like, yeah, exactly. Talk to me about the next fight. Twelve yeah. gauge. Twelve gauge. Going page. for Miller. We'll we'll talk about Paige briefly first. We'll talk about we'll just mention these bodies fights. Um, 
for me, Paige fought to a very strict game plan, which I, if if you're telling me she was going to fight like that beforehand, I would have said that's probably not going to work. She's probably going to lose, but she pulled it out. You know, she pulled it out of the hat. Uh, Beck Rollins, I said, I picked Beck Rollins to win. I picked her because of her boxing and how how improved it's it's gotten. And I think in the first round she was she won that round, but Paige did well to stay away. She was either all the way out or all the way in. Where she, and she's good. I thought she was only good all the way in, but. She's proven now that she can do things from the outside. Uh, I think Rollins did very well to catch Paige coming in and to close the distance with her and catch her at times. Now, Paige, I think, did very well a lot of the time to to keep that long distance. And uh, and Rollins struggled a little bit with it, but she was landing the cleaner strikes and stuff. And I think if the fight had gone on, I think Rollins probably would have won it. But Paige needed that. She was kind of pot-shotting the whole time in the first round. Uh, or, or she was trying to tie her up and she got close. But that, I think, only happened once or twice. But it, one of those pot-shots needed to land, and one of them did land. She landed a great uh, great switch kick knockout. Fair play to her. I didn't think she had something like that. She talked about how she had that in her locker, but maybe she was kind of holding it back, or she was kind of maybe a little bit afraid to throw it. Not afraid, but you know, she was trying to stick to her fundamentals a little bit more. But it's good to see something like that. If she can do that, it's going to make her a whole different sort of fighter. I think she's very athletically good. And for someone to to have the ability to throw that shows exactly how good they are. And look, fair play to her. Maybe a little bit of a lucky, fluky shot. But oh, don't say it, Sean. <laughs> I just think, I don't know, I think Rollins, I feel a little bit bad for Rollins because yeah. I think she's showed a lot of improvements and it was an unfortunate way to, to get knocked out. The, uh, in the first round, I thought Rollins looked actually quite good in the clinch. She was landing more n- number of shots, but there was a few times Paige actually landed some pretty good knees as well that looked heavy. But it was just, it seemed so hard to fight Paige. Like, this is going to sound really weird, John, but have you ever watched two girls fight on a street? Yeah. Right. Do you know the way when two girls get close to each other and hairs get grabbed? And if you can just imagine, like, a wacky, wailing, inflatable arm tube man, their arms yeah. kind of go up in the air a little bit and they're just, it's like, get away. From, like, when. Page was in a clinch it just seemed like okay I'm about to be clinched I need to do anything to get out of it and that's what she did she's just spazzed out at times like her shoulder started moving she was pushing away she was landing strikes and that's what worked for her that was able to separate the two of them and then she was able to go back to maybe trying to land uh, I know she did throw a couple of um, a couple of mad kicks in the first round as well that all missed and Justin Buckle said in between rounds you can't get caught up in throwing all of that jumping stuff and Brian Stan was saying it on the broadcast just as Paige went for the switch kick. <laughs> and then I was just kind of thinking, like, on a side note, fairly disappointed with Brian Stan this past weekend as well. I know he's been very, very good. This was his big shot. But his post-fight interview with Carlos Condit, I forgot to mention that, was one of the most awful things I've ever seen. Asking a guy moments after his fight, like, well, are you pretty much going to retire now? Yeah. Do you know? And then just kept talking to him and going, like, it just... It, that was really uncomfortable. Carlos Condit wanted nowhere, nothing to do with that conversation. Like, and don't be asking me stuff like that just after I'm after losing. Like, but back to Paige, I thought it was um, a, a disciplined, as you said, performance for her in, from her in the first round, especially. And to be honest, a lot of circling, just a lot of moving, just a lot of wanting to stay on the outside and not really engaging. You know, and it was almost like she was thinking, like, I need to do this. <sighs> Maybe not to frustrate Rawlings or to 
to fight like that to maybe so she doesn't think any of these kicks are actually going to land. But that was just on the money. You know, you have to say it was a lovely time shot. The hammer fists, I'm not so sure about. Slap fists that they looked like, but there was no. It was a fair stoppage. Uh, fair stoppage completely and fair play, uh, fair play to Paige because we spoke last week. We wondered this was going to be a shorter training camp. She had the Dancing with the Stars commitments. Blah blah blah. She looked light on her feet, all right, Sean. This past weekend, if you oh, get God, what I mean, yeah, <laughs> I hated that shit. She's <laughs> oh, she's dancing is uh, you know her it's movement. Uh, it's uh, very uh, yeah. <laughs> she almost tangled her way into that knockout. <laughs> oh. Fox trotted out of the cage <laughs> post victory. When did we turn into fucking Niall McGrath here or posh Dublin accents? I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, was okay. like Tom McGurk impression. <laughs> Tom McGurk, yeah. Oh, oh then I suppose on to the barn burner, Sean. Yeah. Screw job. Have... Where's Vince McMahon? Ca- Canadian screw job. Was this Ooh, event yeah. in Montreal, was it? That's the fucking Vancouver screw job. This is what this was. I wasn't the biggest fan of this, this fight. Now, it was a good fight, but I think it paled in comparison to their first fight. And I think it's because a little bit. Of the fact that both guys are kind of past their best, I think. Yeah. Which is a little bit unfortunate. Now, I had loads on winning this this fight live, and I watched it again this morning. I had loads on winning all three rounds. I watched it again this morning. I think, I do think Miller did enough to win the first, but I had no, loads on winning. Miller won the, the second, I thought. Yeah, see, that's the problem. This was one of those ones that the scoring can really go anywhere. Um, and it was, it, was a little bit, it was a little bit weird. See, the thing about this fight was, I think... Lowe's on shots were actually landing cleaner and Miller's shots were landing harder, if that makes any sense. Yeah, Miller hits like, like a truck. A Miller truck. Hit, was hitting very hard and you could tell that was having a, an effect on Lozon. But I think Lozon, especially in the second round, I thought he hit him with an, a good few hard shots and it kind of slowed Miller up a bit. Miller as well was fighting. He looked a lot stronger in this fight you know he looked like he'd put on a lot of muscle in this fight and I think he was trying to conserve his energy like he landed a couple of big shots and then he maybe took like a couple of minutes off or got taken down by Lozon and then he landed more big shots again and you know I think the scoring system obviously it's about damage and landing those big shots and things like that but I think Lozon landed quite a few big shots as well and then he had his grappling and then he landed shots in the grappling as well so I think I think MMA is becoming too striking centric in the scoring. You, you, I know. I, I think it's good to be that it is it favors striking, it favors damage, and it favors shot standard. But I think you have to score grappling as well. I think that's going too far away from the grappling. I think if someone can hold someone down for five rounds and land shots when they're on top, or for five minutes, not five rounds, I think that's that's a, a fine way to win a fight. My God, we are on a on a same wavelength today, Sean, because it was during the Pettis and Oliveira fight. After he'd been dropped in the first round, I was thinking, like, wait a minute. If this is a fight, right? If this is trying to symbolise a real fight, and if a guy wants to sit on his ass and scoot towards the other guy, then let him do it. Do you know, Anthony Pettis, actually, I forgot to say this, Sean. Release that man from the UFC and let him fight in one FC immediately. Let him fight with soccer kicks because he would have won that fight no hassle at the weekend if he was allowed to do that. I was like... I completely agree with you. In that second round, that's the the reason that I... Uh, wait. Second round was where he took him down. Second round was where he took him down, but Miller landed much, much harder shots at the start of the round. The second round was when he had the Kimura attempt from half guard and when he was able to get the mount as well. And I just think that for 
for Joe Lozon in this fight to lose that decision must be very disheartening. I thought he clearly won that fight. And there's two main things that I want to pick up on that he did in the fight that maybe went a little bit un like Joe Lozon has always been known for um great jujitsu. But there was a real do or die like I keep saying that expression, I'm so sorry. It's, okay. it's caught into my it's actually on my wall in front of me you know my cheat sheet podcast phrases so whenever I'm I'm stuttering <laughs> I just have like 20 phrases like genuinely there's one on the wall in front yeah, of me you like Miriam McCallaghan um, oh, I'm trying to compose myself here there that was a moment over. in the first round where Lozon shot for a takedown Lozon had a single leg I think and it was he had a chance to get back up on for, on a scramble after he had went for a takedown just against the cage, but he ended up falling back onto the ground. And when you're talking about both guys being past a little bit past their time, I imagine Joe Lozon springing to his feet three years ago from that position and up and ready to start trading again in an exciting scramble. Yeah. Do you know it was? And then I think it may have been Sean. I know exactly what it was. It was after he went for the standing knee bar when he stood when he stood over for the knee bar from standing and then went for a heel hook and then it was as Lo- and Miller was escaping for the heel hook yeah. Lozon was coming up as if he was going to pick the leg up and he just lost his footing and fell back down and I was like it was just such a fight of nearly maybes and the UFC I think I really want to see a different angle of this do you know in the second round when Miller pulled rubber guard that time uh, yeah. Miller had rubber guard and Lozon I think started to do a lockdown on Miller's other leg he was going for a knee bar. I'm convinced Joe Lozon was going for a knee bar from that position because he had fully extended Miller's leg and he had the pressure on it. Like, you can do a knee bar from that position. And that's why Miller just abandoned the rubber guard completely. But I couldn't see, there was no other angle, so I couldn't see if he actually was doing it. But it made no sense for me to think, why did Miller just let go of that completely? He had him locked down, he was landing elbows, only for the fact maybe his knee was about to pop. Yeah, and it's a funny one as well. The way we were saying, oh yeah, we both think it's a little bit of a robbery. Maybe not robbery, but that Lozon one. But I scored Miller the first round, you scored Miller the second round. So yeah, we're <laughs> just, both yeah. wrong. Like. But, yeah, look, I did talk Lozon win, you thought Lozon won. But it's one of those fights. I, I literally could have gone anywhere. I, I, I think, would like to watch it again, yeah, to be yeah. honest. That was the first fight I watched when I was watching back them after work the other night. And I'd be interested to see how I scored now this time. Yeah, it wasn't the worst, but I think I think Lozan probably should have got it. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll move on. Let's move on to um, Bellator. Bellator, um, and the big news this week is that Rory McDonald has signed for Bellator MMA. What? Yeah, Rory McDonald signed for Bellator, gone from the UFC, uh, taken out of the UFC rankings, and and. Uh, Introduced that Bellator, I think it was Bellator 160, I could be totally wrong, at the weekend, um, brought brought out down down the stage with Rory McDonald. They have a stage now like WWE, you know, where the the walkway is a screen and they have like Rory yes. McDonald. It's class, I actually really like it. We're, we're going to talk a little bit more it. about Bellator. We've talked about that before. <laughs> but I'm a I big think, fan. Yeah, I think this here is the biggest signing Bellator I've ever made. And I was I was thinking about it with, with Vincent Henderson and stuff as well. I think this is big because you went from, okay, you went from them having guys like Chandler and Alvarez who were really good fighters, you know, who hardcore people liked. Then you had 
uh, Tito and Rampage and, and guys like that who everyone kind of knew the casuals who, in. yeah brought the casuals in who everyone knew then you have um, Phil Davis Matt Mitrion Vincent Henderson who we all know we all respect they're all all good fighters but now you have Rory McDonald and this is someone who people like and I think that's a huge thing. I think people will tune in to see someone they like. I saw a lot of people even tweeting me after it. How do we watch Bellator? How are we going to watch Ronnie McDonald? That doesn't happen that often, you know, unless it's maybe James Gallagher fighting like that or there's there's a big fight. But it doesn't happen that often for me. And I think that's that's a huge thing. I think Bellator or uh, Ronnie McDonald is someone that people really like. And I think they'll tune in for him. And now... It's great to see him as well getting paid. Yes, he said that as you you mentioned it earlier on, not, not getting paid that much for title fights, not being appreciated enough. And I think that's a huge thing. You need you need to appreciate these guys more. And if Bellator appreciate him more, if they help pay him more, I think that's a good thing. And he actually mentioned that several times at the press conference. How he's been meeting with them for a while. He believes in their brand. He's they are going to promote him as a fighter. They're going to promote him as a person. It's not everybody wearing the same, everybody's a robot, <clears throat> Reebok this, Reebok that. That seemed to be a big swinging point for him, in my opinion. I'm sure the money he's getting paid will definitely soften the blow. I'm sure being able to have multiple sponsors again as one of the most recognisable fighters in the world will definitely help him as well. But for me, Roy McDonald seems like such an intelligent guy that he's like, He's, he's sitting back, he's looking at the UFC deal and he's maybe thinking like, right, I've got to this organisation. I've been in this organisation. We tried to win that world title and it didn't work out. Okay, <laughs> that's fair enough. But I'm a smart enough guy to realise that everything that's going on in this top organisation, something's not right. Do you know, why are the fighters not being allowed to get as much money as possible for putting their lives on the line? Why did I only get paid $59,000 for fighting Robbie Lawler and took years off my career in that one fight and I got... I got, I got the equivalent of what Conor McGregor got for a fight for a bonus in his debut fight. Do you know? Like this, yeah. it's an absolute disgrace that Rory McDonald was treated that way. He's done the exact right thing, all the best to him in going to Bellator and trying to get the money that he deserves because he may only have two more years left, Sean. He may not even have two years. There's fights in Bellator that he could definitely lose. I would yeah. love to see him fight at middleweight in Bellator even. That would probably be better for him than fighting at welterweight, to be honest, because Michael Van and Page and Rory McDonald could be a bad fight for Rory McDonald. Mm, I don't know. There's, there was two things that went through my mind first when this happened. The first was, I'm also, sad Rory now. the kid that just wants to be loved. There. He is. I'm sad that Rory never won the title because I was I've always been a huge Rory fan. You know, even when he fought Wonderboy, I was a little bit torn because you know I I just like the butters. I like their uh, on Rory. I like his style. I love his style. I love that jab he draws. Like he's just he's so good. His wrestling was always really good. He's just a, a very very good fighter. And I'm sad he never got to reach his potential. Now he was always you know he's waiting for GSP to retire away, and then he got his opportunity, and he just couldn't get there. And and the fact that Tyron Woodley now is the champion in the UFC as well, and Rory McDonald destroyed him not too long ago, you know, it's a little bit sad. But the other fact of it then is, okay, the money is a great thing and all, and I'm happy for him and that. But there's also great fights in Belter. You mentioned there, Koroshkov. Koroshkov is a top, top fighter. I think there's a little bit, we even mentioned it later on, and I think a lot of people make a mistake, and I've made a mistake loads of times, about saying that Bellator, the talent isn't the same there. Now, the talent from maybe the top four down isn't the same 
But I think the top three in a lot of divisions, especially in lightweight and in welterweight, they'd be in the top 10, 15 in the UFC as well. I think oh, they're yeah. all good talent there. And him against Karashkov, that's an unbelievably good fight. I'd like to see him fight Paul Daly. Um, who did you say? Michael Vinopage. I think it's a bad fight for Michael Vinopage, to be honest. I think MVP is very good, but I think Rory's on another level. I think Rory would uh, Rory would beat him. Um, Vincent Henderson as well. Vincent Henderson is going to be going up to, to welterweight again. That's another no, good fight. Not. He's got a title shot, Sean. Did you yeah, not but see the he, breaking news? He, I saw, but he'll be coming up as well. Just, just plenty of plenty of good fights uh, for him there. Um, Douglas Lima as well, another very good fight. And I think he's not going to come back until 2017. He said uh, summer 2017 because he wants to let his nose rest and stuff. So you, you, where's my MVP going to be then? And you know he could be champion by then, or he could be a long way up the division. No, he's probably actually still fighting cans. But yeah, there's there's lots of there's lots of good fights. There's lots of good fights for him there. So I'm. I'm looking forward to seeing Rory's on. Now, all they have to do is get it on fucking television live in the UK. Come on, Bellator. Or Ireland. Well, same thing. We have UK channels. So. Yeah. Is that possible, Shoot. Sean? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yeah, but, Come here, though. How not? good was my northern accent earlier on? Was good. Go on, give us a bit of it. So, what, what about... Uh, what about uh, did, we, did you see I got a haircut? Did you? Under- I did. I did. Yeah. Well, if you want, I can I can intro into the questions then. So we'll just talk about Benson okay. Henderson at the weekend. Probably the the luckiest way you're ever going to get a title shot in a fighting organization, Sean. Yeah, it, it was funny. Uh, I mentioned before it was. I don't think it was as bad as maybe people were making. I've not making out to be. Ben Henderson, I think, has looked worse since leaving the UFC. I actually yeah, think I would. I wish this fight gone had gone on for longer because yeah, it was really exciting. It was really, really good. My favourite bit of all, Sean, you know I'm a sucker for Kamara's. Ben Henderson trying so hard to get a Kamara in the second round. The two guys just kind of like, it was like Ben Henderson was almost floating on him at one point. And then getting his foot caught up on uh, Pitbull's shoulder before Pitbull just punched him three or four times in the face. And that's the fight over. You can't beat the old double wrist lock, can you? Can't beat it. He, He broke his tibula, I believe. Yeah, or his, was it his fibia? Oh, fibia. Or, I don't know. You might be right, actually. The, the, the femur is the big one. Then you have the fibula and the tibula, and that's fibia and tibula. Yeah, you could be right. It could be one. Um, this but fight, I wonder how he broke it. Like, I don't know. I think it was a leg kick or something like that. I'm not sure. No, um, just, like there was no kicks thrown in the pr- in the exchange. Do you know? So he, he broke it in the he, first round, apparently. Yeah. So it was obviously something that he was like, okay, this actually isn't okay to keep fighting on. Yeah. Yeah, if people don't know, uh, Vincent Henderson fought in Bellator this week against uh, Pitbull Fahir, I believe. I can, I can never say his name Patricio. right. Uh, Patricio Pitbull, yeah. Um, Pitbull was winning, and it, it was funny. It was I mentioned it beforehand. It was like uh, it was a guy who's fought at one seventy against uh, one forty five pound. Where, where have we seen that fight before? Uh, I think uh, I think I've seen that, but yeah, um, it was it was a good fight. Pitbull was winning the first round. People were booing the first round, and people were online were saying, "Oh, it was a bad first round." I thought it was a very good first round. I was really enjoying yeah, it. It like was that. a great. That's why yeah. I'm so annoyed it ended the way that yeah. it did. People was people was pot shotting him with shots, but not like Paige Van Zandt, more like someone who's a power puncher and he's looking to land that one big knockout blow. And he was hitting Henderson. He was. Definitely hitting him. Henderson, you know, a thing about him is, in his last fight against Karashkov, he kind of got 
he got out uh, out techniqued and in this fight he got outpaced which isn't a very good thing for him you know it's maybe a sign of getting a little bit a uh, little bit old or shoving on a little bit now he's had a lot of fights uh, even going back in the, in the WEC there even on the WC days sorry I, I think Chandler is a good fight for him. Though. I think they're both maybe at the, kind of the same uh, same pace in their place in their career. But this fight, Patricia Pitbull, he's one of those guys as well that maybe because he's in Bellator and he's not even a big star in Bellator per se compared to, say, Alvarez when he was there and, and Chandler and even Mitrion and the guys who signed from the UFC. It's nice to see him getting, you know, a little bit of uh, the rub as well there and uh, I wouldn't mind seeing that that fight again. You know, if if Henderson does win the title, or even if he doesn't, if if they're uh, if they want someone else for him to fight, I wouldn't mind seeing seeing that rematch. A lot of people were saying, "Oh, he was," you know, Henderson was turning the light and stuff. I didn't see that. I thought I thought Pitbull was doing very very well, and uh, you know, if they fought again, I don't know. I'd find it very hard to pick Henderson because he was just so much faster than him, landing landing those bigger shots, and you know, Henderson. Henderson kind of is what he is, you know, and it is what he, it is. Yeah, <laughs> he's well rounded, good, good wrestling, good striking and stuff. But he never really had that huge X factor. It was all on kind of hard work and not good timing, but you know, just being like Frank Edgar. He was a little bit bigger and a little bit too big for Frank Edgar, and got a couple of good decisions as well. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I like Vince Henderson. I've always liked him, but. He's having a tough time of it so far in uh, in Bellator, and I think it's it's good as what I was saying earlier about the Bellator talent being maybe better than what a lot of people think it is, and I think that's proven to be true. Sean, I just saw it uh, there today. Oh, it, just as we started recording the podcast, Ben Henderson is getting a shot against Michael Chandler for the lightweight mm-hmm. title. Um, and Michael Chandler is actually going to be on the MMA Hour today in studio. So maybe we're going to get a little bit more insight into that. I don't know if you've seen the MMA Hour lineup for today. I have. It's very, very good. We're going to get Roy McDonald as well. Ooh, nice. So there you yeah. go. Um, are we going to get on to a few questions, Sean, or what can you think of? Um, or my northern accent. We have, uh, hold on, we have something else before the questions, don't we? Yeah, oh, we have next week's card. Sorry. This weekend's card. Yeah, we we'll just touch on Hamburg. questions. Yeah, you see Hamburg. Uh, Andrew Arlovsky against Josh Barnett. I don't really, we don't really have much to well, say about that. The rumor has it, okay? <laughs> yeah. Peter Carroll has been flown over to Hamburg to take the pictures of Andrew Arlovsky <laughs> after the stunning shots he captured of him at UFC Rotterdam. Yeah. That's a true story. Really? No, nice. not at all. Not. He was at UFC Dublin as well, wasn't he? He would just walk around and people got absolutely hated him because he refused to like, talk to anyone or, or sign, uh, sign autographs he or anything. He's a bit grumpy, all right. He's a bit of a prick, yeah. That's I'm, a little, I'm not going to lie, Sean. Yeah. A little disappointed I'm not heading away. To, to have, Hamburg? I haven't had a minute. I haven't had a minute since I came home. But there are a couple of good fight. There are a couple of good matchups on this card. Alex oh, Edmund, by the way, making his UFC debut, and we forgot last weekend. Congratulations to a uh, friend of the podcast, Karen Malone. He won last weekend in Scotland. Oh, did he? John. He Fair won last weekend. Yeah. Get that man on Bama. Come on, let's do it. So, Andrew Arlovsky and Josh Barnett. You can't <laughs> wait. You really just want to talk about Gustafsson and Blackwich? Uh, well, kind of. I can't wait for. Okay, Andrew Arlovsky against Barnett. This is one of those fights. 
uh, I find it very hard to preview it because it's okay. It's you've a guy with good hands against a guy with knockout ability. Someone's going to get knocked out earlier, or else it's going to be a bore for three rounds, like all heavyweight fights between these all lads. I'm not really sure. I, I'm I think I'm picking Barnett. You look, look at my picks on SevierMed.com. You'll see. I can't even remember who I picked to be honest. Uh, I'm just not. I just don't care about this fight to be honest. You're not I think. Watch it live, are you? I think. I'll probably watch it alright but I think Barnett will just push him up against the fence I can see him landing a shot like in dirty boxing and knocking him but I can also see Arlovsky landing a big shot on him and knocking him out what do you think? So Andre Arlovsky has kind of soured on me in the last while and it's exactly mm. for the reasons that you're talking about but this is effectively the heavyweight version of Jim Miller fighting Joe Lozon for the second time because you push out it's okay a fight that maybe have they have they fought before in the past don't, I don't think so let me look it up Go no on. but if Ben Rothwell is able to submit Josh Barnett the war master the guy that submitted people time after time after time again throughout his career and now he's going up against Andrei Arlovsky and it's just kind of like he was able to fucking beat Nogueira Sean do you know what I mean back in the day and now this is just Two losses in three fights, and you're just kind of like, ah, you know, it's very hard to get excited. Like, do you like whatever we're talking about the UFC in Europe? Okay, this isn't gonna help. Look at this card, top to bottom, Sean. Heavyweight, light heavyweight, light heavyweight, welterweight, welterweight, heavyweight, middleweight. Do you know? Yeah. For these cards, in my opinion, and it's how I think I would like to see the UFC advance from here on out okay and this is just a site for future European events put Andrei Arlovsky and Josh Barnett on the prelim of a US card because these guys are past it you don't you need to build new stars you need to sign guys on one fight deals UFC Belfast should be Irish guys on the prelims on the early prelims and then you build it up to maybe slightly more established guys being given the chance and you know what's going to happen, Sean? You're going to get Yair Rodriguez versus Alex Casares fighting time after time after time again. You're going to get those style of fights. You're finally going to get guys that will take the opportunity of being in a main event show for the UFC and will use it to enhance their careers. Do you think Andrew Arlovsky is pissed off that he has to fight in Hamburg this yeah, weekend? Definitely. He is fucking raging. Right, Ryan Bader, I doubt, is thrilled at the possibility of fighting Ilya Latifi on Fight Pass, and that's not a slight on Fight Pass. It's a slight on bigger guys, maybe thinking like they're towards the end of their career. Sean, don't even put them on these cards. Use this platform. Use Fight Pass as the platform that when Reese McKee gets signed for UFC Belfast, that fifty of his mates are going to have to sign up for the program to watch him fight. Uh, I. You I agree, agree with me. I agree and disagree. This Look, is I, the reason. Th like, this event, like, I want to see Nicholas Dalby fight. I want to see Peter Sabata fight. But why the fuck are they both fighting each other? Do you know? I, th I think this card would look better if it had Alexander Gustafsson and Jan Lakovic as the main event. And has Andrzejewski and Josh Barnett as the core main event. Not on it. Or not on it. <laughs> but I... I like that. Like, if that fight was on UFC Belfast now or UFC Dublin or whatever, I'd like that because I'm I like I'm a sucker for that. I'm I'm more of a UFC fan than a normal MMA or a local MMA fan. But I agree with you the fact that local guys should be put on the undercard or maybe one on the main card even, like Nick Hine is here. You know, I, I, I'm it's still atmosphere. It's, atmosphere. it's a little build the atmosphere as well, but it you can't all. It's not all GA. All like there's 
there's a reason why 50 people turn up in GA halls and 10,000 turn up to the oh, UFC. No, like. I'm, I'm not I'm not saying that. I'm not trying to get them to put an Irish MMA card on the undercard. But there's like... Fans will have a reason to be in the arena from early on if there's local fighters on the oh, card. Oh, yeah, from early on, yeah, 100%. I agree with that, 100%. Yeah. I'm not saying right. that Reese McKee should be on the main card for UFC Belfast <laughs> or anything like that. If anybody gets signed for UFC Belfast, if, whether it's Carl Moore, Reese McKee, Brian Moore, Peter Queeley, they shouldn't be any higher than the third fight. Yeah, well, possibly. See, um, Sam Alvey is looking to fight someone in Europe. At light heavyweight as well, or middleweight. Carl Moore against Sam Alvey, light heavyweight. There you go. We'll take it. Hashtag good watch. Anyway, we'll just we'll round up this card. Uh, Gustafsson against Blakovich. I think that's one of these uh, tune-up fights as well. Good fight for Gustafsson to get back in there. I think Blakovich is basically just going to be a punch mag for this one. He's not a great fighter at all. He was good in uh, KSW, but not in the UFC. I think that should be handy enough for Gustafsson. Bader against Latifi is just... I like. I love that fight. I think that's that's a very good fight. Two hard wrestlers against two big hard punchers. Look, everything tells me Bader is going to win the fight. He's a better He's not. fighter. Latifi's going to win. Latifi could absolutely smoke him with one big right hand. I I could definitely see that happening. <laughs> that is I, happening. I'm sorry to I'm I sorry to ruin that. your bubble here. Latifi's taking this fight. I'm picking Bader, but I'm going to regret it because Latifi's more than likely going to win. Um, Judah Jim Wallhead as well, getting his his UFC debut after a long and tough career. It's good to see that. I know you're a big fan of his. Nicholas Dalby coming back here, another good one. Uh, Ex or Cage Warrior champion, wasn't he? He was. Same with Jack Romanson, if I'm not mistaken, fighting against Scott Askham. Um, so they are all good fights. Looking looking forward to it. Um, shout not the best card in the world, but it's not the worst. Shout out to the first European MMA media dickhead that I'm going to call you out on. Christian Colombo finds his way to victory at UFC Hamburg. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's a joke on Christopher Columbus, by the way. Yeah, I, I, get it. I get that. it. Right, Andrew, you pull up the questions there. And, and your I'll, trousers. And, <laughs> Jesus. I'll tell, our, I'll tell our good friends uh, listening about our good friends at ROSNutrition.com who will give you 25% off your first order with the promo code Severe and May. They will provide you with krill oil protein powder vitamins all that good stuff if you go to the gym even if you don't even if you just think oh look I need some more vitamin D in my life get on over to rosnutrition.com put that all in your cart you get you probably they'll probably give you one of those free cups to drink out of they'll you know they'll tell you what else you can get uh, to to uh, round off your order and you get 25% off that order if you use the pro- promo code severe mma tell a friend you sure like everyone listen to this now someone who goes to the gym non-stop and who's always oh i'm i'm getting the gains tell them tell them you can get 25% off at rosnutrition.com with the promo code severe mma make them sign up put them up against their laptop and make them sign up or on their phone send us a picture as well if you order stuff Send us a picture with your new stuff or of your new stuff, whatever. Help us. Help you. 25% off. Or com. severe man. I thought you weren't going to say it there, Sean. I almost forgot about it. You completely forgot about it. I was yeah. about to go mental at you. So, Sean, since we did talk about it a little bit earlier on, to open the questions, Mr. Podge wants to know, how big of a loss is Rory to the UFC? Both to the Canadian market and the welterweight division, and does it blow open a door for the St. Pierre return? Bellator stressed that they're going to go into Canada next year and do a big show, 
And I think Scott Coker said something along of reinvigorating the market up there. Ooh. Pretty much saying that the Shots UFC fired. had let it go to shit. Yeah. What do you think? I think it's I agree with that I think it's a bigger loss to Canada than it is to the welterweight division the welterweight division is very very strong and it's definitely a loss to the welterweight division but there's no Canadian stars now really like who is there you know GSP is he coming back maybe if he comes back he's probably not coming back for that many fights but you've know, Chad Laprise he's looking good but he missed weight at the weekend he's, uh, I don't think he looks like a big star I'm looking through the rankings here like if you look at the pound for pound nobody from Canada in the top 15 pound for pound I don't know. I think it's yeah. I think it's a big thing, and I think the UFC have kind of left Canada high and dry, kind of at the moment. Now George Saint Pierre coming back. There's rumors of him fighting in um, is it Toronto? Uh, I think it's Toronto. Toronto UFC two six. Yeah. So that could reinvigorate it a little bit, but yeah, big loss for him, especially if they want to rebuild. There, they're going to need someone like that, and for him to be gone, it's going to be tough. Um, next question from Robert Palmentieri. Robert, I know you're listening. Your shirt's on the way. Went out this morning. Nice. Sorry for the delay. What does Bellator need to do to bridge the gap with the UFC? It seems that their key strategy is to try and sign established UFC fighters with name recognition. Is this a good strategy? At the moment, yes it is. Because for years and years and years, they tried to do it their own way. They tried to build up their own stars. Maybe didn't have the strongest TV deals. Maybe the UFC were just already that far ahead. So to me, Sean, it seemed like exactly what they had to do at the time. Yeah, what Bellator are kind of doing now is, it used to be, as you said, they're all young guys planning for the future. But they're still doing that, but now they're bringing in guys for the present as well. And even guys from the past, they're bringing maybe people who've fallen away from MMA. So I think they're trying a lot of different things. Now to bridge the gap, I don't think that's ever going to happen or it's going to be very tough at least, especially after the UFC has just been bought out and things like that. So I don't think that's going to happen, but they're doing they're doing pretty well. Now if they could just get on television in the UK, that'd be a lot better. Thank you. What's happened to my voice? I have no idea. Sheehan's Tatoes. I suppose Legend. we'll kick off the first of the couple of questions. Like, I'm probably not going to ask you another question about this unless someone has put it in a different way, but yeah. will Wonderboy be able to retain the welterweight title when he defends it against <laughs> Damian Maya? Is this your Twitter account? No, it's not mine. And because he just, he spouts controversy because his mm-hmm. next question, Sean, what's the better lead-in for UFC 203? Bama or Cage Warriors? Ooh. I'm going to go Cage Warriors. You're saying it because you're a Paddy Pimblett fan by Paddy Pimblett. Paddy Pimblett's the guy I most want to see in any of those those cards. Like, if the Bear Jew is injured now, isn't he? He's off that card. Yeah. And Duke and Waz not on it. Yeah. yeah. I'd probably have to go with Cage Warriors, to be honest. Although Yogurt Dave is fighting, so there you go. What was the first question you know, against Maya? And, um... How will Maya do against Wonderboy for the title? That's it's but this is the thing the, for some yeah. just last shot at Bama here. Why is Craig versus Fields still being advertised on your website, when people yeah. can buy tickets for it? Mm. Has the have they even reported that it's no? Have, like, is that official? I believe I so. Know. I think MMA Mad reported it, so I don't know. I don't think it's. I don't think they've officially said it yet. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, um, look, I think Maya against Wonderboy is the most. Is the most intriguing fight maybe in all of the UFC. It's definitely one of them because it's that old school striker versus grappler again. And it, 
I think Wonderboy has done so well against grapplers that it'd be hard to rule him out. Now, you can rule most people out, especially someone of Wonderboy's style against Damian Maya, but he's very hard to close the distance on. He's very hard to push up against the fence. He's very hard to take down. And Wonderboy is, or uh, Maya is very good at doing all those things, but it's going to be tough. And, if you know, if, if Maya gets him down, puts him on the ground, it's all over. But if Wonderboy can get Maya standing... <laughs> for a prolonged period of time it's all over too because he will you know, he'll destroy him so it's one of those fights it's tough to know because okay, everyone's afraid of Maya everyone's afraid of getting taken on but everyone's afraid of Wonderboy and standing up with him too so it's going to be it's going to be a tough fight if, look it's all well and dandy if Maya can drag it to the ground okay he's going to win but what if he can't what if he can't get Wonderboy down then you're then fucked he's, he's up shit creek without a certain accoutrement for rowing <laughs> Okay, next question. Oh, you are the biggest. Wonder boy. <laughs> I'm sorry, I actually got caught up looking at the Bama card there just to look at it, and it's actually savage. So I'm going to, like, yeah. I'm not, my, I, like, yeah, I can't wait for it. Yeah, yeah, there's some I'm not going fights. as well, by the way, I can't go. Um, you told us that last week. Did I? Huh? Or you told me last week. I told I you know. last week. Yeah. Andrew Morris wants to know Mayo for Sam. <laughs> Definitely not. No, Dublin are going to. Going to UFC 202 according uh, from Mountain Mind is the number three pay-per-view ever mm-hmm. how many buys did 196 get in Ireland without the TV deal is 202 bigger so we don't really come? know and the, the no one really well I was about to say no one really buys the pay-per-views in Ireland but since the fight pass deal yeah, has really. changed we've now seen that actually it's quite a large amount of people that purchase it to be able to watch it in fight pass so first of all don't believe the promoter is not your friend. That's the ethos of this podcast. Sean and I both got matching tattoos or we're planning on it mm. until he didn't show up to Bama or now isn't coming to Bama because now we're not going to get our podcast tattoos together. But whatever. I'm over it. Don't always believe what comes out from the UFC. Do you know what I mean? For how long after Connor after 196, UFC 100 was still promoted as the biggest pay-per-view ever? And then Connor came out and said that it wasn't, and that 196 was. And then the narrative just kind of went, yeah, 196 was our biggest pay-per-view. That was from the UFC. Do you know? So I think it's far too soon for the UFC to be able to accurately say that UFC 202 is only the third biggest pay-per-view ever. And I think as the dust settles and in time will come out, we may find out it's their biggest pay-per-view ever. Uh, which, the, the one at the weekend? 202. Uh, yeah, I oh, sorry two or two. Yeah, uh, I think one nine six was the biggest ever on it. I I wouldn't. I actually don't think that they're lying about two or two. I think two or two is two or two is the third biggest ever probably. But I think that they still kind of say one hundred was the biggest, and it wasn't. I don't think. I think one nine six was bigger. Um, but yeah, I think they were all pretty much around uh, around the same. Um, yeah. So, but look. Conor McGregor and, and Nate Diaz are rich boys, aren't they? That's all that matters. Yeah. And then a final just sign a segue to Wonderboy. With him more likely to get the shot, this is from Aaron Morn, do you match Maya up or do you let him wait? In the cage, he seemed pretty happy with waiting. I think it depends how long Tyron Woodley is going to sit down and not fight for. So if Tyron Woodley now, if they fight on New York or if they fight the, the fight card after it or whatever, I think then you say wait. Maya, just he he's done enough. Or if you give Maya the shot, tell Wonder by the way. You know, I think I think it's. I don't think they have anything left to prove. I don't think they have anyone left to beat, really. 
No, I think let him wait. Or else give Meyer a shot, right? And put Wonder Boy in UFC Belfast against Gunnar Nelson. No, I was just gonna say, I was just gonna say put Woodley against Wonder Boy on UFC Belfast. Because that, it would be not nice. be the <laughs> ultimate fuck you from the UFC towards Woodley. <laughs> being like, yo, enjoy that fight pass money. <laughs> You know, but then again, maybe they're saving him the embarrassment of putting him on pay per view and doing terrible, terrible numbers. Mm. So who knows? Uh, my God, I have an issue. <laughs> uh, Marty Ladda, our good friend from the states, can Paige develop the skills to get to the top of strawweight with Team Alpha Male? If not, where does she go to? You mentioned it earlier on, Sean. I would love to see her work with Mike Wilkin, uh, Mike Winklejohn. It's. T- I don't know it, Paige. I think she showed an athleticism that okay, we knew she was athletic, but I didn't. I don't think we knew she was athletic as she showed at the weekend, which gives me great, great hope for her future. Paige is very young, and she's still young to fighting and young in age, so she could improve an awful lot. And I think she's still very good. You know, we speak about Paige a lot in this podcast and how people maybe have underrated her a little bit because you know obviously she's a very good-looking girl and she's been given more of a push than maybe some people with her skill levels and stuff would have gotten. And there's a little bit of, you know, there's a little bit of that, not actually looking at what she's, what she's doing or what she's good at. And I think she's good at a lot of very, you know, a lot of things. She's a good grappler. Um, relatively, you know, she's, she's definitely uh, improving uh, everywhere. You know, she's not a finished article. She's not a black belt by any means or anything, but she's, she's a good clinch. Now she's turned into someone who can hit you and knock you off from the outside. So, if she can put her boxing together a little bit more, and and you know get a little bit better at jujitsu, get a little better bit better against the fence, get a little bit better at everything, she you know she's definitely shown improvements, and she if she definitely keep, if she keeps showing those improvements, she can definitely go far. Um, whether she's a championship level fighter now or something, I don't know, but I think she could get to top five in the, in flyweight. Straw, uh, fly, yeah, strawweight. Sorry, I think she'll stay team alpha male. As well, to be honest, yeah. I would. Oh, was I, that the question? Sorry, I answered something well, different yeah. question. I do think she'll stay. And oh well, it was like, can she get there with Team Alpha Male? And if oh, not, right. where would she go? But you give a good answer regardless. Andy Cowan says a lot of people are calling for Condit Lawler too. Do you think the fighter will either fighter will want it, considering how much damage they did to themselves back in January? And if Condit does fight again, what matchup even makes sense? Yeah, I called for it as well, kind of in the heat of the moment. But as I said, I'd like to see Condit getting a tune-up if he is to fight again. Uh, and maybe that one down the line. But that look, if, you're, if he's coming back and he wants another great fight, that would be a great fight. I would, I would like to think that Aidan Markey was talking directly to me with this question. As a grappling ma- maestro, oh, would you like to see Khabib move to welterweight and scrap Maya? Hashtag battle of the blankets. However, I do think he may have been calling Khabib the grappling maestro. Maybe, but still, yeah. I will take it as my compliment. Yeah, what do you think the answer, Quan? Um, I would like to see it. But at the same time, it really does nothing other than offers like a question to sort of a curiosity that we have. Like, what would yeah. ha- like We've seen Damien Maia fight wrestlers before. And he's either won a decision or lost a decision. You know, so it's not really... We're not going to get... I don't think Damien Maia's jiu-jitsu has improved exponentially in the last year. You know, I think he's just been able to use his striking better like, to get guys down who he's able to school on the ground. Do you know that sort of situation? But yeah. now, this time, you're putting him up against a wrestler or an accomplished grappler. That's not going to matter. Do you know, it's, it's really not... It's going to be the exact same outcome, I feel, as maybe what has happened in the past. Guys are able, able, able to hold him down or he's able to hold them down. 
and yeah. control them and not get a submission. Um, but who knows? Brian McLaughlin, BMC Dublin says, What got Sean Sheehan more heat? Picking Ned over Connor or the Michael Conlon tweet? Oh, definitely the Conlon tweet. Really? Definitely, yeah. A lot of people kind of, for, for the picking Ned, I, I kind of got compliments saying, Oh, you're not biased and stuff. But then a lot of people were just giving out to me because they're McGregor fans and stuff. But everyone hated me for the Conlon tweet. <laughs> I didn't. Nobody agreed, but yeah, I'll get over that too. So well, I'm a, look, if you're not disagreeing with someone, you're you're only talking shit. Like, let's exactly, be exactly. You're dead wrong, Sean. <laughs> wing wing sheet bag, which is a great Twitter name, by the way, says with Larkin's high oblique kicks at two hundred two and two recent jumping roundhouse knockouts, are we going to see more insane kicks in the UFC? We've been seeing him ever since Anderson Silva kicked the face off uh, Vitor Belfort. I watched Dana White's video blog today, the reaction one to that, yeah. actually. Yeah, when I was looking for a picture for the for the podcast tweet, I was oh, yeah. I just watched it. I was going to get, get a screen grab, but never mind. It was yeah. on Reddit. Um, I think we probably are. I think uh, elite striking is taking over um, from elite grappling at the moment, so... We're going to see that for a while. We're going to see lots of big knockouts until uh, until there's another changing in, which will eventually happen. But yeah, I think there will be. Um, two questions for one, Sean, from M. McLean. Should a trip to the ground not count the same as a takedown? Because in the stats, McGregor tripped him in the fifth and isn't credited with a takedown. Oh, was he not? No. Those, those stats are fucking bullshit. Uh, someone asked about significant strikes as well because that's, what the fuck that's is his follow up question yeah. do leg kicks count as significant strikes because Rogan says he didn't know recently on a broadcast yeah I don't know I don't like stats strike stats in MMA and boxing well more so in MMA are absolute bullshit never ever look at them they're pointless like Nate Diaz I think landed more strikes or a similar similar number of strikes to McGregor in the first round of their fight, and that was close at ten eight for McGregor. Like, so it's it's the ferocity of the strikes and different things that make the difference, and total strikes as well. If you're saying, "Oh, this guy landed outlanded him ninety nine strikes to one hundred and fifty, and the guy with one hundred and fifty lost," yeah, that can happen because maybe he landed seventy of those in one round and lost the other two rounds. You know, you're so. in a constant loop. I remember you saying this. Yeah. This was only a couple of weeks ago, I think. See, these ideas are right. That's why I keep coming back saying them. <laughs> Luke Comiskey says he hasn't heard a lot about Connor fighting in Crow Park. Do you think it could happen in 2017? Dana said 2016 last year. Luke, first of all, welcome to the podcast. We're delighted to have you. We're highly critical of the UFC about ever putting on a big fight in Ireland. We've talked about it before. Unfortunately, with the TV deals, the curfews in place... Crow Park may not happen unless something is able to be worked that the UFC could put an event on that goes through the night. Yeah, we, have another, we have another question about that as well, if you scroll up there a little bit. My father actually got Patrick to send in a question this week. There you go. And he said, is Conor McGregor doing enough to get the UFC to come back to Ireland? To on a big job well, like that? we don't really know because maybe mm-hmm. he's just been told straight up like we can't do it. It's too hard to do. It's too much. Logistically, it's too hard to do. You're not going to be able to get the adjustments from your government. You're not going to be able to play, please the. I was about to say the pedantic people that live next to it, but I suppose if I live next to Crow Park, I wouldn't want seventy thousand mixed martial arts yeah. fans streaming out of there at at five o'clock in the morning around my house. So that's probably for the best. So. Unfortunately, it looks like a pipe dream for now, folks. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's going to happen while he's still a champion and stuff. Anyway, I just don't think it's realistic. 
Uh, Keen O'Connell, the answer is yes, but your question was, can the Lozon-Miller decision be called a robbery, or was it just a no, bad decision? I don't no, know. it was just a bad decision. Bad decision. Bad decision. Um, Brian Lynch said, is Nate's gas tank overrated? Only been passed round three once before Connor, but he's talked about like GSP's conditioning. I well, I actually don't think he is. To be honest, I think Nick is the one that's always talked about for the yeah. outstanding cardio. Yeah, I agree with that. I, mean, I think Nate's cardio is good though. So well. there you go. Gavin Sherlock said, "Who's the better fighter, Nate or Nick?" He's always thought <laughs> Nick, but Nate's made some ground. Nick. Oh, I think I think Nate is better. Really? I, yeah, I've thought Nate was better for years. Um, I think he's well, way more well-rounded fighter than Nick. Like, Nick is a good fighter, but I think Nick has too many, you know, the Diaz brothers have these ideals of how they should fight, and, you know, they're always giving out about yellow cards and stuff. And I think Nick actually fights true to that. He fights, like, how he wants the MMA to be. But I think Nate actually plays the game a little bit, and he'll actually fight an intelligent way, and I think that makes him a better fighter, to be honest. I think he's better on the ground as well. I think he's a better ground game. Maybe he's striking. I don't think his striking is as good. But I, I think he's a no Nick Diaz. If they did pure jujitsu stuff, he might be a little bit better. But I think Nate's um, Nate is more dangerous with his uh, with his jujitsu stuff. Um, but some people probably give out to me on that. That's just a personal thing. But I think I think uh, I think that's true. She's, what do you think? She, no, I, I you disagree, don't you? You think Nick's better? That's okay. So. I think that you're kind of basing the fact of that opinion off that Nick Diaz, in his most most recent times, has spent a lot of the time on the sides, and when he's fought, he's been in maybe controversial fights where he is trying to implicate the way that he would want to fight. You know, he's trying to put that in against guys that maybe don't want to fully engage or don't want to actually fight him in a fight, blah, blah, blah. But you can't take away from the fact that, what was the first one? Say, for example, the St. Pierre fight. No, Condit fight. That was the one that kind of got people talking about. Up until that point, whether he was fighting outside of the UFC or not, he was ruining guys as a well-rounded mixed martial artist. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. But I think the game has passed him by a little bit. I think at the time, but when he was doing that, I think they were ahead of the game a little bit, you know, but because of their cardio and because of the well-roundedness they had. But I think it's passed him by a little bit. Now, like Diaz brothers, as you say... Like Nate and Nick, they both train kind of with Andre Ward and they train with Cron Gracie and so you know the best in their fields. But there's a, a little bit of being well-rounded as an MMA fighter as well, not just as a boxer and as a jiu-jitsu player. And I think that's where they find fall down a little bit. And I think that's where Nate is a little bit better than Nick. I think Shane Saunders says, "Do you think Sean is going to explode when they give Damian May the title shot ahead of Wonderboy?" Mm, no. No, I don't think so. Here, I have a question actually from uh, Juan Nysand. He's not on Twitter, so he's seen him on Facebook. He's sent it to me. Uh, it's a long question, but basically, do you think uh, Risen and One FC and World Series of Fighting Belter are doing enough to um, for the safety aspect with uh, drug implementation and you know things like we've talked about before, like the Irish MMA are bringing in like trauma rooms and stuff like that? I don't know because I I'm never at those events to see what they're like backstage. But in yeah. terms of the drug testing and stuff, like Risen are just taking the piss. I think that's a fair enough thing to say. I believe for their last event that they did have drug testing, but they would not be releasing the results. Yeah, Was I right maybe. in thinking that? I'm Some promotion within the last 12 months had drug testing, but they wouldn't be publicly available. I think Bellator as well, the fact that 
they kind of leave it up to the athletic commissions to decide. Uh, you know, if Kim Kim or not Kimbo Ken got like I think Kimbo as well actually got like what fifty days suspension or thirty days or something, and they just left it at that. Like, oh yeah, he got thirty days. That's fine. You know, I think that's a that's a little bit much. Another question from Rizal: What's next for Johnny Hendricks? I was gonna say back to his restaurant, but I believe it's actually shut. <laughs> I'm not too sure. I have no massive interest in seeing like. Let him go up to 185 and maybe have a couple of fun fights oh, before yeah. he retires. Do you know what I mean? Don't kill For yourself. That. You're Can't not. Yeah. yeah, you're not an elite 170 or anymore, Johnny. You're not going to be able to beat Woodley. You won't be able to beat Maya. You had your day. You one punched your way to the title. You absolutely ethered guys en route. I have the fight. But then it just went away. You just fought boring. You fought cautious. Send him to 185, out to pasture, to scrap a few guys, and Sean Sheehan is going to tell us who, ladies and gentlemen. You're going to agree with this, too. You're going to agree with this. Hector Lombard. Oh, beautiful. Boom. Make it happen. Gorgeous. Headline UFC Belfast. There's a question there from Podrick Foran as well. Get, get to that one. There's a true or false one. I like that. Um, I will get to that. But That's Graham it. Scott says, who do you expect to headline New York? Final call on it. <sighs> Conor McGregor and Eddie Alvarez. Me too. And then good friend of the podcast, Spencer Carpen, said, if McGregor does win the lightweight belt, mm-hmm. could his first defense in Ireland be versus Nate? He thinks that's the fight. I think that's a potential that you could get it. A daytime yeah. thing, and that's how the UFC are able to, you know, but still, that fight's worth a lot of money. And yeah, that's only going to happen in one yeah. place. Like. Yeah, exactly. No, I saw no answer. Um, let me just see someone again asked about Conor versus Floyd per 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 would this even things out Sean no gloves no weigh in no rounds but boxing only no gloves Jesus I think I think it'd be hard for Floyd because he defends so well with his gloves even if you did it with MMA gloves I think I still think Mayweather probably win. I was thinking of it this way. Myself, Patrick, were talking about it. How about an MMA fight, right? Stand up only, but McGregor couldn't use his hands. So McGregor could only grapple or kick. Yeah, well, he can't. Or his really hands grapple. were tied behind his back. Yeah, he can't use his hands, but he now he he can't. It's basically a kickboxing fight with no hands. Okay. So McGregor can only kick and Floyd can punch and kick or whatever he wants. Oh, right. Well, then, that's not too bad. I think McGregor kicked leg off him. (laughs) I think McGregor win. I think McGregor win with no hands. Really? Yeah, I do. Spinning wheel kicks for everyone. Just kick the leg off him. Small miniature flags for everyone. (laughs) True. It's been a while since we've had a good Simpsons reference on the podcast, Sean. It has. There we go. Wonderboy style is the perfect way to beat Damien Maya. True or false? Uh, true Pettis becomes a title contender at 145 within the next year true false Khabib is possibly the toughest matchup for McGregor at 155 true false who do you think Tony Ferguson (laughs) GSP actually returns at UFC 206 true um there wouldn't be George St. Pierre Reebok fight gear on sale Sean is there? Yes. Did you not see it? No, I didn't know. Yeah. Edgar's oh, next fight is at 135. False. False. 
on the Khabib tip, just before we get on to it a little bit there, Sean. What? I'm actually going to say he is the toughest fighter for McGregor <laughs> at 155. There you go. But I don't think it would be, a, after seeing Connor against Nate, I don't think it would be as clear of a Khabib's going to take Connor McGregor down repeatedly and do whatever he wants to. One or two more, so go on. So this is definitely another fake Sean Sheehan Twitter page. Yeah. Because I'm actually, I'm going to suspect, okay, that the people that make these accounts... All the same person? Yeah, well, first of all, are either all the same person or just want to be mentioned on the podcast because they just ask questions that they know we're going to ask towards you. Based off things that you've said in the past, it's an incredible. It's an incredible that people have this knowledge on you, Sean, from listening yeah. to the podcast. Rhubarb Sheehan, ba <laughs> at rhubarb underscore nation <laughs> says, "Did I love that man? Did RDA <laughs> remove part of Pettis's soul, or was it Alvarez? It definitely wasn't Alvarez. Anyway, you're not going to remove man's soul by pushing him against the fence and fucking robbing a decision off him. Like. But Dasanios <laughs> did. Dasanios did, yeah." Okay, Ken Allen, a more normal named person, says, "Why isn't Cody Garbrandt fighting TJ before Cruz? What warrants him that shot?" That's I like because that question. TJ is still bro with some guys from Team Alpha Male, I would say. And there isn't another clear contender as well, unless you give it to um, what's his name, Misha Ted's boyfriend, Brian Carraway. So that's probably why. Excellent. Andrew Pearson says, will Connor stay out for the whole suspension or is there a chance for 205? What are the risks there? Those so suspensions I, are yeah, pointless. A Jesus. lot of people have been saying that to me since that McGregor suspended and he'd be out for six months. No. If I'm correct in saying this, Sean, I believe that the Nevada State Athletic Commission offer those suspensions at the venue once the fighter has been examined at the venue. They are... Yeah, like, yeah. That I is the right... So Connor... The doctor, exactly. Yeah. Connor went to the hospital afterwards and got cleared at the hospital. Yeah. So he's already cleared. He's bro, already yeah. been cleared by that by that logic. He would have been examined by Nevada, said this is what we're going to recommend, blah blah blah. That's no hassle. Connor went to the hospital afterwards and I believe he got cleared. Tony McGregor put it up on social media that cleared after a routine check or something like that. Yeah. You know, but to me I'm thinking Connor's already cleared and fit and ready to start talking about his next fight. Am I correct? Yeah. I I'd say that. But the, the thing about it is it's there's a much time between now and then and if McGregor's into this new you know the new kick kind of of fight camps and um, preparing for specific opponents maybe there isn't enough time to do that between between now and then maybe he wants or a little bit of time off maybe he sees Eddie Alvarez as absolutely nowhere near Nate as his level and will just go back to training the way that he was doing possibly and when I say nowhere near Nate Diaz's level, I mean that Eddie Alvarez has a great chance of being able to beat Nate Diaz in an MMA fight. But I don't think Eddie Alvarez has much of a chance of being able to stand up and take Conor McGregor's shots as Nate Diaz was. As frequently as Diaz ate them in their last fight. I tend to agree. That's the only thing I was saying there. I wasn't trying to disparage Alvarez because Team Alvarez over here. What? I picked him in the last fight. Did you? Who yes. was the fight again? When he won the title. Oh, RDL, yeah. Yeah, we know how you picked him there. Go on, anyway. What? <coughs> Nothing. My God, you're a horrible man. Sean, that's mm. it. An hour no, 40 in the book. That's it. Question's done. Nice. There was a lot. You whittled them down on the fi- on the Twitter page. I did, there I was think. a lot. We whittled them down mainly because of the point of view that so many of them 
were pretty much the same question. Hi, Sean. How you got the feel when Wonderboy sucks the life out of himself when he... Oh, no, I said that wrong. When Maya, sucks, <laughs> when Maya sucks the life out of Wonderboy. Yeah. I'm going to feel bad. That's how I'm going to feel. Fuck all of you. <laughs> we know the answer. We don't need him to recount it. It's going to happen, ladies and gentlemen. Sean, I have to say, I love your hair. I don't... I. I don't mind my hair But I cut off the beard as well And I look terrible Did you? Oh god I'm pure bald I think the hair The haircut is slick I'm not gonna lie Who did it? I got my sister to do it But Just your Your niece off. started it No she didn't Did you, I thought you I saw a snapchat video Of her cutting your hair With scissors No, she, no that was my sister Oh she, was my it? Niece, yeah my niece came in afterwards And she was She hates She's always telling me Grow my hair Never cut my hair Whenever she She starts crying When I cut my hair And stuff then She hates it I'm in the middle of uh, Growing my hair at the minute Actually now that you mention it Thanks for bringing it up oh, How's the no. longest You've gone without cutting your hair I don't know time wise But I'd be able to show you A picture of how long My hair has been Oh yeah You used to have it long enough Yeah you? I'd actually really like To get your On podcast reaction Okay. To seeing how long my hair was at one time. So me. I'm going to send it quick. If you'd like to just tell people about, you know, where they can find us on social media and stuff like that, that would be great. Okay, you can find me at Sean Sheehan BA over on uh, over on Twitter and on Instagram as well, and on Snapchat at Sean Sheehan BA. You can find me on Periscope at Sean Sheehan. You can find me uh, on Facebook at Sean Sheehan MMA. Facebook.com forward slash Sean Sheehan. Where Andrew still doesn't follow me, the fucking prick. You can find Andrew at Andrew. McGahan underscore on um, on uh, Twitter. You can find him on Facebook, Andrew McGahan. You can find him on Sna- Snapchat, Andrew McGahan underscore. Is it just Andrew McGahan? It's Andrew McGahan and on um, Instagram as well. What are you on Instagram? Andrew McGahan also. Andrew. So at Andrew McGahan on Twitter. Yeah, we know he's a dickhead. He took my spot, yeah. but. We'll get over it, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm back at Oxygen 2011 here at this point, Sean. I've got a picture. I found one here. I have one as me with me with the longest my hair ever was either. I'll try to send it to you now in a second. Can, I'm going to send you the link. Tell me, can you click into this and see it, okay? Okay. Oh, listen to me on the computer. Here comes the money. Here it comes. Here comes money, the money. Content not found. Content not found. Yeah. Uh, have you got any pictures of your long hair? Or what are you going to be doing this week, Sean? Come on, tell me. We we need like one forty-five here. We just need a couple of minutes of chat, maybe a maybe a little story or an anecdote. You know, me I'm as born as fuck. Actually, to begin, one of my one of my friends, Fanon, called down. I haven't seen him since college. About five years, he called down. He's he's fucking a man that could do with some. Well, couldn't do with it, but has been using some ROS nutrition probably. Absolutely fucking svelte. Legend. I've sent um, you the picture. You sent me the picture. Hold on, hold on. I'm seeing a new picture as well. You can't really see it as well in mine though. So no. Imagine how many people are going to ask us to see this pic- picture, yeah, see and this they're picture. never going to see it. Where'd you send me the picture? And on, uh, on it should be in the picture. Oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah, mine was a lot longer than yours. Was it? Yeah. No, mine went longer than that. Now, in fairness, do you want to actually? Before we go, Sean, I'm going to send you the original red and black, the original Andrew McGahan check shirt. Okay, I'll send you that after this podcast. But look at your uh, look at your WhatsApp there. See my long hair. My WhatsApp. Oh, yeah. why didn't I just send it to you on WhatsApp instead of trying to download a picture on my fucking <laughs> lab? Like I downloaded that picture off Google. This is this is not very good listing, is it? 
for people. The end of the podcast. No, so we'll have to share these pictures. I yeah, if you hound us for long enough, we'll, we'll share these pictures. Here, did you, did you see my one? I did, and I think I've beaten it, to be honest. I Look, zoom in on it. I have it, like... No, I'm sending it to you. Oh, you're sending it to me? Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Like, you, your hair is kind of, like, going... Oh, my God, that is long, actually. Yeah, it's really long. And it's back behind your ears and everything. Yeah. That's... Oh, 11, think... 11 months I hadn't got my hair in. Really? Yeah. I think I may have ran you close though. Check your WhatsApp. I look like fucking Harley from uh, from, from Lost. Lost. Yeah. No, mine was definitely longer than that. That is long, though, in fairness. Do you wear glasses? I never knew you wore glasses. Yeah, I used to wear glasses. Ah, sure, so Jesus. there you go. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for bearing with us through the last 90 <laughs> seconds to two minutes of vanity from myself and Sean Sheehan. Graham's going to go fucking mad. What are you at? Talking <laughs> about hair. People are going to tune out. Who cares? They've already listened to the full podcast. We've got their sweet hits. I'm going to post those pictures now. Go to at Severe May Pod and you'll see those pictures. Both of those pictures. Yeah, I'm gonna and you're going to wonder. We're just going to tweet it. Sean's not going to put a caption on it. No. He's going to think, what the fuck is this about? And then we're going to get a load of tweets after the podcast in. Fair play, lads. We saw the picture. Thanks very much for posting it. The end of the podcast now makes fuck sense. Fuck you, at Severe May. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much as always for tuning into the Severe May podcast. If you're a new listener and you've stayed from last week, welcome. We love having you here. We loved having you here. We hope you enjoyed your stay. We hope you enjoy your stay. And that's why I love him. That's why I knew he'd pick up on that killer's reference. Are we going to sing them out this week, Sean? A little bit of an exit loop. I know. I believe it was after a busy podcast. So, you know, keep the tradition. Just for a day, we hope you, you enjoy your stay. Outside, Outside the sun, sun is shining, shining. Seems, seems like, like heaven, heaven ain't far, far away. away. It's, it's good, good to have you with us. Even if it's just for a day. See you next Tuesday.